Thank you, Sonia. Well, Merry Christmas to you all. Wow, you guys are looking so good. This is fun just to be up here and seeing all the wonderful outfits you got on and just the Christmas joy. And at this point, at Christmas Eve, this is when I want the woman, women just to go, Can you relax for a moment, ladies? I know you've got so much on your plates that you are doing, and thank you for making Christmas Christmas. Men, let's thank the ladies for all they do, okay? Yeah. No doubt about it. And guys, the question you need to be asking your wife this day and the next day and the next day is not, I love you. You want to ask the question, how can I help you? Now, that's a dangerous question, isn't it? And we don't want to ask it because we fear they might have something and they might even take advantage of us. I don't know. But how can I help you? So first thing, in fact, men, speak your eyes right now. How can I help you tonight? Okay. All right, men, now you got to do it, whatever it is. And then ask it tomorrow. And ladies, if they don't ask, you ask them, how can you help me? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah, what a great time it is. And uh, we're just celebrating the fact of, of being together, because this is what Christmas is all about. Now, there's all kinds of wonderful things during the season, but, but coming together to focus on Jesus Christ and the fact that he came in this world as a vulnerable baby to save us is the most amazing thing that we can ever think of and ever appreciate. One of the common phrases in our vernacular these days is game changer. You ever use that term in the last year or so? That's a game changer. That's what it is. What's a game changer? Well, it's a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. You know what a game changer is? Ah, there's all kinds of game changers. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of something that eventually has changed your life. Are you ready? There we go. The Zenith Flash Magic. Now, what in the world is that? It looks like a toy gun. But you know what it is? Man, you'll appreciate this. It's the first remote control. The first one, 1955. The first time the men could sit back and it was run through lights. So you'd press the lights and they'd interact and turn it off, turn it on, up and down and change the channels, that kind of thing. But man, that was the go-to present that year. Can you imagine that? The go-to present. And now, of course, it, it went from colors and lights to uh, infrared, now wireless. I mean, with our phones, 
We can control our entire world, especially if the Google Assistant's along with you, right? You've got to have that thing along to ask all the questions. <laughs> have we ever been so lazy? Have we ever been so lazy, you know? You have this uh, robot vacuum your carpet. <laughs> yeah, life is good, I guess you could say. Now, this was a game changer. A game changer. Want to see another game changer? Anybody know what this is? Sputnik, you're right. Sputnik 1. This was the first artificial Earth satellite. Now, the moon's a satellite, in a sense, but this is an artificial satellite that the Russians put into orbit back in 1957. Now, this particular invention sparked so many things that happen in our lives today. Because, you see, once the Russians had done this, the space race began, and the technology race began. And the Defense Department said, we've got to get all those incredibly creative people out there, the one with the really wild ideas. And, and we have to get them together and just have a big research and development party. Okay, give us all your ideas. And this eventually became this group, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. That was all these different scientists and dreamers. And, uh, and they said, we've got to connect these people. We've got to get them talking to each other. So what they did is they set up something called ARPANET. ARPANET, Advanced Research Projects Agency. You know where I'm going? Precursor to the Internet. That's how it all started. The World Wide Web. <laughs> Back in the 50s, and there's many generations of it. But, but when they put that satellite in space, can you begin to understand what a game changer that was? I mean, how we're so much impacted by the web and technology and all those different types of things. I got another game changer to show you. You ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brother Mitch, our good friend Mitch Trubisky. He is the unbelievable quarterback of the NFC North champion Chicago Bears. Yes. Come on now. Give it up, you Bear fans. He is not just a game changer. He's a season changer. He's a franchise changer. That's what he is. Oh, 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 what a great ride we've had. Thank you, Mitch, for changing it all for us. You know, as we go through life, there are a lot of different game-changing events. For example, when you were born, that was a game-changer, right? You were having a good time there in mom's womb, and all of a sudden, whoop, out into reality, stark, cold reality. And that was a game-changer. 
when you went out to preschool and school, that was a, a game changer. And when you learned to drive, well, that was a big game changer. When you graduated from high school, big game changer. Maybe you went right into your career or some type of training or college. That was a game changer. One of the biggest game changers in life is marriage. Two people coming together, man and wife. And I just want to let you know that seven days ago, my wife and I, Lori, celebrated our 30th anniversary. Isn't that great? And honey, I just want to honor you tonight. 30 years is a long time with me. <laughs> Somebody's got to pay for counseling for her. I mean, it's really been a very long time. But uh, honey, you have taught me how to be a servant. You really have taught me how to be a servant. You have served me all of my life. This past week when I was struggling with something, you were there to encourage me like you always have been. And some of our boys are here tonight, Wes and Brian, Katie and Brenna, they're lovely wives, and, and you served them all their lives. And I just watched and say, wow, she's just committed to other people. And you grew up in a, a pastor's house. Your dad was a pastor, and your mother was a, a pastor's wife. And a pastor's wife is a, a great role, but sometimes unique and challenging. And you have fulfilled it uh, so well. And Iwana Ministries, her father really was one of the key guys that really got missions going for Iwana around the years. So you're an Iwana leader probably back in high school. Well, I don't want to say anything about your age. Let's just say <laughs> you've been an Iwana leader for at least over 30 years and probably uh, the Iwana commander here for 20 years. And... Uh, you're just the best gift that God has given you. You know, for those of you who are teenagers or college age, be careful who you marry. Be careful who you marry. Make sure they're a Christ follower. Make that be the first thing because it can create all kinds of problems. And Lori and I were just kind of reflecting this past week and just wondering, you know, <laughs> how we've made it this long. And we both said, Jesus, Jesus, we both grew up in families where they were Christ followers, where, where they had been saved by Jesus Christ and, and they walked with them and they lived that type of life out and then God brought Lori and I together, and, and we sought to do that, to have Jesus as a center of our marriage. And friends, it's the key. It's the key to relationships. It's a key to, to life. It's a key to eternity. The biggest decision, most significant you can make in your life, oh, I forgot about the picture. That was a long time ago. 
<laughs> You're still looking the same. <laughs> but a game changer is a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. So marriage certainly does that. But again, the greatest game changer is when a person begins a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just really want to talk to you one-on-one, friend to friend. Uh, I, I am so passionate about helping people come to know Jesus. And my wife is so passionate. And we've given our lives over to it because it just is the greatest thing that could ever happen to a person. You're familiar with John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. I don't know how you came tonight. Maybe you came joyously. Maybe you were dragged here. <laughs> Maybe family expectations. We got to go to church. All right, all right already, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, but I'm so glad you're here. Even if you were dragged here, I'm glad you're here. And yeah, we talk about people who come out Christmas and Easter. We call them creasters. But you know, I'm thankful for creasters. Because people who are still seeking God out in the midst of a busy life, I want to thank you for making this a priority to be with the people of God and to learn more about Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, people know that I'm a I'm a pumpkin fanatic. Uh, I love pumpkin pie. I just, you know, take two cans of whipped cream for each piece and just bury it. And my wife started to make Christmas <laughs> Christmas goodies on Saturday. And she made pumpkin bread. And oh, this is such a weakness of mine. You know, I I go in there and I say, which one can I eat? And she looks for the ugliest one, right? And she said, this is for you, Dan. And I slice into it. And the heat rises. And, and I take it out. And I put it in my mouth. It's unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And then I have another piece. Oh, yes. And I say, no, I have to stop. So I go off to another part of the house, and, and I come back. Oh, got to have some more. Hey, I, you know, it's okay. It's okay. And that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I have to confess, and I'm not proud of this. I'm pretty sure I ate a whole loaf of pumpkin bread on Saturday. Honey, did you have any of the pumpkin bread that I was eating from? Nothing? Okay, it's for sure. I, hate, I ate the whole loaf. And I'm not proud of that, okay? Uh, you know, that, that's gluttony. 
And the reason I share that illustration, for those of you who don't know Jesus personally, and it's really important to understand that know Jesus personally is to really understand his love and understand what he's done for you and then on your volition to accept, to say, okay, I choose Jesus. And the thing that burdens me so much is that people grow up in churches, well-meaning churches, and they say, okay, well, if you were baptized as an infant or you went through confirmation, you know, you've got your stamp of certification. Now, I'm not saying that people with confirmation don't, but so many people say, oh, okay, well, I got that over with, and so I'm good to go for life. I'm a child of God, and many times they weren't listening in class, right? <laughs> or, or even the wrong message was taught. And so I just want people to know, really be sure that you are a Christ follower. Don't depend on something that happened so many years ago. And when you look at your life, when you think about how you're approaching life and the role that, that Jesus plays in your life, and like maybe he's not thought of at all, there's a reason to come back and kind of analyze that and say, okay, what does it really mean? And it is a relationship. And the, the reason I talk about the pumpkin bread is because Jesus Christ said, I and the bread of life. Now, whatever kind of bread you love, you think of, okay? What's the kind of bread you'd like to eat a whole loaf or whatever, <laughs> right? That's the way Jesus is. When you have a relationship with him, he's within you. The Holy Spirit's within you, and he walks with you day by day, and he brings joy to your life, and he helps you with challenges in life. And the, the same feeling of satisfaction that I got from that pumpkin bread is even more deeper than the relationship I've had with God for over 50 years. It's true. It's much more satisfying. I mean, food you know, comes and goes, but and I just use that analogy to help us to understand that's how beautiful it is to have a relationship with God. It's like eating hot pumpkin bread, not for my body, but for my soul. It feeds me. It keeps me strong. Romans 3.23, and I have this in your programs. I've included a green sheet there. And that green sheet is called the Romans Road. And basically it has some verses we'll be looking at. And, but it, 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 tells exact, it tells you exactly how you can have a relationship with God. So I wanted to make sure that you had that in your possession. Okay, so we're going to do a flyover here. But if you walk away and say, I'm still not sure, uh, read that. Okay, and pass it on. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the Romans road is going to the book of Romans and just key passages about how a person becomes a Christ follower. Yeah, we all have to realize we have sinned. We talked yesterday about the shepherds and uh, they were included among the sinners uh, from the religious leaders uh, perspective. 
So why would Jesus Christ come to the shepherds who were seen as sinners and they're also known as liars to the point that they could not even give testimony in court? It didn't sound like a good plan for God to make that kind of (laughs) announcement uh, to known liars. But no, one of the most important things about coming to God and asking for this free gift of salvation is you have, you have to admit that you're needy. You have to admit that you can't do it on your own. You, you can go to church and you can give the church and do good deeds and all that kind of stuff, but it all falls short because God demands perfection because he is holy. And that's the number one reason people do not choose a relationship with Christ because they have to live or they have to admit to God that I can't do it on my own, that I need you. Important thing to understand. It says, for the wages of sin is death. That's not talking about physical death. That's talking about spiritual death. And this is why, one of the reasons why this is just so very important. Because if you encounter Jesus in your life, If you hear the good news of Jesus as I've talked about, and you say, no, I don't need Jesus. And you continue to talk about that, have that same type of reaction throughout your life, and you die, you're not going to be with Jesus. They're going to be separated in hell. And I don't want that for anybody. And so that's why I have thrown myself along with my wife and all the wonderful people here in Springbrook in saying, you can be saved from that type of eternity. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, this whole issue of what God demands of us is perfection. And there's no way we can do that. But that's why Jesus Christ came down, born to the Virgin Mary as the God-man, so that he could be one of us and he could represent us. But at the same time, since he was God, he was perfect. So he was a perfect sacrifice on the cross. God needed this justice issue taken care of because God is holy in every way. I I would encourage you to go on to our our podcast. And we did a, a series on who God is. The real God. And it's just amazing just to think about who God is. But again, he's a just God and he's a holy God. And he can't have people sin against him without somebody paying the price. And so Jesus Christ did all the sins of the world. Past, present, future were laid upon him. In those last three hours and God turned his face away. And when Jesus Christ hung there, Dan Harrison's sins, past, present, and the ones that I'll commit before I go to heaven. He died for them, and he paid the penalty, so I wouldn't have to pay that penalty. And you see, that's the free gift of salvation, isn't it? We don't have to suffer because Jesus Christ paid the price. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our 
Lord. You know, so many people, when they think about their Christian lives or becoming a Christian, says, okay, well, this is all about eternity. Okay, I, I just want to make sure that I'm going to heaven for eternity. But friends, <laughs> you're... Your relationship with God, your eternity starts as soon as you become a Christ follower. You know, I'm paid to be good <laughs> as a pastor, right? I'm paid to say these things. Oh, yeah, Dan can say that, you know. But I'll tell you what, I could get so many people up on this stage who just are regular people like you. They aren't pastors or priests or anything like that. And they will testify to you how unbelievable it is to have Jesus as their Savior. In fact, many times what we say to each other is, I don't know how people do it without Jesus. How do they live? Where do they get their hope from? They don't even know why they're here on earth sometimes. And then we realize, okay, well, they've never known that. So if we tell them, hopefully, they'll come to Jesus. Because once you experience walking with Jesus, there's, there's no turning back. I and mean, it's like, yeah, this is life. And again, you, you listen to some televangelists and pastors on TV, and they say, oh, well, if you come to Jesus and have faith in him, you're going to be rich and you're going to be healthy. Uh, those are lies. Now, God's going to bless your life, and he's always going to be there. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that Jesus is the good shepherd. We talked about the fact that we're all sheep. Sheep really are the dumbest animals. <laughs> I mean, it's been proven. We talked to a couple of people in our congregation and said, oh, yeah, they're clueless. <laughs> They'll follow another sheep off a cliff. Oh, somebody must be going somewhere. You know, they just don't get it. And I know that I don't get it. I'm clueless. Sometimes I just shake my head and say, Harrison, you've been doing this for so long. You've been walking with God. But I still have that sheep's heart. And that's why I need a good shepherd. A good shepherd is there to protect you. You know, one of the most challenging questions, one of the things that I always talk about people when I talk about knowing Jesus, is what about suffering? Why do we have suffering in our world? Well, there's a long answer to that. The short answer is Adam and Eve, remember in the garden, were given the choice whether they wanted to follow God or not follow him, and they chose not to follow him, and sin came into the world, and uh, this was no longer a place that God wanted us to stick around in because the whole world became infected by sin, and all kinds of terrible things came our, come our way because of sin. Our own sin and many times other people's sin. But the beautiful thing about knowing Jesus personally is I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in 2019. Am I going to get cancer? Somebody else in my family going to get cancer? Am I going to die? Is somebody else that I love and care for going to die? I mean, anything could happen, right? But I tell you what, because of my confidence in Jesus, and he's proven himself over and over and over again, whatever happens to me, I know that he'll be there for me. 
I know that he'll walk with me. I know that he will give me grace. We talk a lot about that, how God pours grace into our life, especially when you're, you're struggling. And I've had my challenges along the way, and he just keeps pouring grace into my life. And I can always reflect back on a difficult day, and I can point to a time where God showed up here. That person called me, or, or, or I found that verse in the Bible, or somebody you know, gave me a gift, or I finally had you know, some type of peace. He's always there. And, and I want that for all of you. I want you to experience that and know that. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. That's how you become a Christ follower. You realize you're a sinner. I can't do it on my own, God. I'm a sinner. I deserve a penalty. But you have made it possible for me to have a relationship with you. All I have to do is believe in what Christ did on the cross. And I need to repent. I need to turn and say, I want to follow you, Lord. And I need to believe and I need to confess that you are my Savior. It's just a decision that you make. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing. It is a gift of God and not as well as works, so that no one may boast. That's the biggest thing. I talk, I've talked, oh, hundreds and hundreds of people I've shared the good news of Jesus Christ with. And they were taught by their parents or by a church that yeah, you've got to measure up. And if you're not good enough, I mean, if you're, you know, your good deeds you know, don't outweigh your bad deeds, it's like nobody know they don't know if they're going to heaven or not. But what I believe the Bible teaches is once you make that decision, you make it genuinely, uh, you're never going to be <laughs> lost as a child of God. I know whenever God takes me home, I'm going home to be with him, not because of what I've done, but because of what God has done for me. So here's the prayer of salvation. And again, you can say it in different ways. It basically has the biblical truths. Again, this is on your green sheet. God, I know that I've sinned against you and I'm deserving of punishment. That Jesus Christ took the punishment that I deserve. That So through faith in him, I could be forgiven. With your help, I place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful grace and forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. Amen. You know, maybe you're here today and you're right there. You're saying, oh, wow. I, you know, I've heard this before and I've been to so many Christmas, Easter services, other types of services, and all of a sudden, you know, it's just kind of clear in my mind that this is what I have to do. Well, let's do it. If you want to do it, you only have to do it once, right? You only have to do it once, but I'm just pray. You pray it to yourself. If you feel so led and convicted, God, I know that I've sinned against you and am deserving of punishment, but Jesus Christ took the punishment that I deserve so that through faith in him I could be forgiven. With your help, I place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful grace and forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. Amen and amen and amen if you made that decision. In fact, if all of you could take your, your programs and just tear off that communication slip, let us know you were here. That would be wonderful. And, and if you made this decision, 
write down, I'm a Christ follower, or I became a Christ follower tonight, so we can know that and rejoice with you. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, well, it's getting a little bit clearer, but you know, everybody's on a different timetable, and it might be that, okay, well, in 2019, I'm going to, to give my, my best energies to, to determining who Jesus Christ is. And, and by Christmas 2019, I will definitely know that I can accept or reject him. Oh, and you never know how much time you have, so there's an urgency in exploring God. You know, on the uh, insert, I've got my email, and I have my uh, telephone, my cell phone, and there's nothing more <laughs> wonderful that I would love to have is you to contact me. In fact, wherever I go, as I get into conversations with people, you know, I say, hey, if you ever need anything, you give me a call. Because I, I just want to be used by God to bring people to Jesus and to see their lives transformed. So, shoot me an email. Talk to a Christian friend that brought you and said, you know, I want to check this whole Jesus thing out. In fact, uh, there's a book. Wes, can you grab that book there? It's called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. It is the number one hardback selling book in history. We're talking 300 million copies, and there's no better book to start with in discovering what it means to be a Christ follower than this book. I tell you what, if you fill your communication card out and you say, I'd like the book, uh, put your address down and we will mail it to you. And, and we'd love to have you read through it. And see, see, again, it's a journey. And I just want to continue to say, hey, hey, don't miss the biggest game changer in your life. Don't miss the biggest game changer of your eternity. I beg you, I, I ask you, do what you need to do. And if you're a Christ follower and somehow you got off the tracks, I mean, come back to Jesus tonight and say, oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> you know, I... I need you. Bring me back to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for everyone who is here tonight. And I pray that they would either, either celebrate they have a relationship with you or maybe they've drifted. I pray that tonight they'll come back to you or maybe a person isn't sure they have a relationship with you, and, and maybe they've already made that decision. Praise God for that. And maybe somebody says, okay, I want to explore it. Lord, have them write anything down on their communication card where we can encourage them in their journey towards knowing Christ. In your son's name, amen. And again, on the way out, there'll be ushers with bags, if you guys could do that. And just drop your communication uh, slips in there, okay?